Mic one, mic one, isn't this a lot of fun? Did you, America? Oh, here we are again. Another edition of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Ian Canfield. Thank you for hanging out with us today for season two, episode... Infinity. Uh, am I looking at a rich man as a result of weekend one of March Madness, Jeremy? No. I don't want to talk about it. Well, I, I one of my other friends was saying that um, people who do well after the the first weekend shouldn't be bragging. As in, you know, if if, if all of your bets came through, you don't have bragging rights because there's a way to go yet. So is that me putting a positive spin on, um, you know, the fact that you clearly ran at a great loss over the last three days since well, we last spoke? Well, I have two areas that I could have either failed or succeeded at. You know, the first is the bracket, the thing that everyone fills out. I think there was like 28 million on each. ESPN filled out, and after the first two days, no perfect brackets remained. Mm. So, you know, I had that. And then, of course, I had the actual gambling, betting on the individual games. And, you know, I was hoping maybe if one didn't do well, the other one would have. But, no, I uh, I pretty much failed at both. I was... Seeing signs of hope, though, because, you know, I didn't do a bracket. I don't really know what's going on, but I did follow the news enough to know that one of the teams who were supposed to be contenders to win the whole thing got knocked out immediately. And uh, I text you and said, is that screwed up every bet that you've got? And you said, no. I didn't follow the trend of thinking, I don't even know which team this was, um, that team would go all the way and actually they haven't upset my bracket at all. And I text back as a show of faith, being a good friend. Hmm, this conversation makes it look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, three three games in, I definitely knew what I was doing. It was all downhill from there. Basically, every game, I am officially the bad luck guy of this tournament because every game I've bet on has failed. The, there was one game this morning. We're recording this Monday. It's 1.55 p.m. Iowa already lost. I put an additional 30 bucks on them. <laughs> I, I literally can't catch a break. This is the worst bracket I have ever had. I have teams going to the final four that are already gone, like multiple teams. There's, you know, on ESPN, they give you a percentage of like, how well you're doing like what percentile you're in i'm in like like three the third percentile right now it's going horrible the best i ever did was like four or five years ago i made it into the 99th percentile i was still like ranked 80,000th that's how many people do this but this year like i'm I might get last place. Now, let me ask you this. Is it considered bad taste to have uh, any bets on the mortality of Sister Jean and whether or not she may die at one of the Chicago games? Um, She better die because <laughs> Loyola has destroyed me so far this year. So Sister Jean is a, is, is a nun, right? Yeah. And she's, she's 101 years of age and she loves this Chicago team. Right. So she actually got famous a few years. I think it was two or three years ago. Loyola Chicago was one of the Cinderella's of that tournament. She was at every game cheering them along. And she became like the big like spiritual figure of the team. You know, ESPN did a ton of stories about her. 
So with the COVID protocols this year, they weren't sure if she was going to be able to make it down at 101 years old, but by God, she's there, and somehow her luck is helping the team and screwing me. I wonder uh, how much uh, superstition plays into her showing up. I mean, when you got a fan, I mean, good on her for being 101 and loving her basketball team and still showing up, even in these COVID times. But if you're the team, teams have all kinds of, of uh, superstitions about how good or bad a game is going to go. Superstition as to uh, whether Sister Jean does show up, whether she doesn't show up, whether she gets sick, whether... You know, she just croaks. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I get that. I'm definitely, when it comes to my teams, I'm definitely a little super superstitious. I had a girlfriend who, one time, she witnessed a Cowboys loss. She was never able to come over my house on a Sunday again. <laughs> like, no, you're going to cause them to lose. It's not just about me wearing the same uniform every single week. It, everything has to be the same. Oh, I, I had a, a friend in uh, Chicago, and... Um, he, uh, the, the Bears, you know, have been notoriously bad for a while, right? But yes. I can't remember when it was, but this is probably like three seasons ago. They went on an unlikely winning streak, but no one expected it to, to last. But he did, and his uh, wife wore... I had some amalgamation of the wrong colors. I don't even know how he decreed that these are the colors that like she should wear. And, um, and that was the first game after their winning streak that, um, that they lost. And he blamed it all on her. And I had to work with him the next day and he was in such a bad mood. We just couldn't do a decent show. And he would say, it's all her fault and blah, 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 blah. And I say to him, this is the love of your life who you married. She puts up with you having four TVs in the front room to watch as many NFL games as once as you can possibly do. And you blame her because she wore the wrong combination of colors and a team who are notoriously known as being bad lost. And it's her fault. I agree. It was her fault. <laughs> I have a friend. You know, hold on. I'm not going to call him a friend. I have a guy that I used to get fucked up with and he... We're friends on social media. You know, I follow his pages. And he has to comment on every single Dallas sports team, whether they're winning, whether they're losing. He's going to put his comment up to let everyone know he's watching. And this guy, he is the mush of Dallas. He is the one who causes losses to happen. I swear, every time the Cowboys are winning and he posts something on Facebook saying, Oh my God, the Cowboys are crushing her. Something along those lines. They end up losing. I hate this person more than anyone on earth. You don't have to show off your fandom. Just stop. You are clearly the bad luck guy. Every single week this happens. No one cares that you're watching, and he is the single reason why we don't win championships every year. Here I mean, as as I said, uh, if you're a hundred, if you get to be a hundred and one, and you can still make it out to watch your Chicago team, then good on you. But if there are superstitions surrounding uh, Sister Jean, especially with her being a lady of God, um, I just think. There's so many more bad things that could happen with her being courtside than, say, Larry David, that one time he tripped up the guy in Kirby Enthusiasm. <laughs> like that, that's a, yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Larry David, when he tri tripped up Shaq, when he was courtside in Kirby Enthusiasm. There's so many more terrible right. things that a, that a 101 year old courtside at a basketball game could do. I wonder what the school is thinking. Like, what round do they have to make it to for them to be like the reason they killed this 101 year old lady? You know, like if they get to the final four, 
Was it worth it? Would you, do you think she would want to go courtside, though? You know um, certain uh, musicians uh, who go to an old age? Lemmy from Motorhead was one of these people who, who said, well, you know, I've carried on this long. I quite like the idea of dying on stage. You probably don't know this person because I think he was only famous in the UK, but there was a very famous comedian called Tommy Cooper that did sta- his thing. He did sort of stand up, but he did magic badly. It was okay. a great, because it was a great act because actually he could do magic very well, but his act was, he did it badly and that's what made it funny. Yeah. Right. But he famously, and he wasn't even that old. He, he had a heart condition, but famously was doing a live TV show. Uh, from uh, maybe the Palladium, one of the most famous stages in London, but he died on stage. And because he did magic badly and that was his act, when he died on stage, everyone watching this live TV event in probably like the early 80s thought it was part of the show because <laughs> because every magic trick he did, he deliberately screwed up as part of the they're act. Like, so they're like, oh, Tommy Cooper's dead. <laughs> right? Get up, Tommy. But, oh, wait. Uh, but yeah, they're actually like, oh, no, fade to black. I mean, literally, <laughs> literally, it, it was fade to black. And then, and then they, and, you know, and people still didn't believe it. But, it, but, but he died on stage. And the, uh, so that sort of set a precedent because the people around him said, you know, very sad, obviously, that he's died. But he probably did love the idea that he was on stage doing this great show. Would have loved the idea that people thought that him dying was part of the show. But in actual fact, he, he had, he had croaks. So I do wonder if you're, if you're 101 and, and you, you know, you can still go out and uh, and watch your team play in Chicago would that be the ultimate way to go I think they better hope that doesn't happen or else for the rest of the tournament they're just gonna have to weekend at Bernie's or around the stadium <laughs> right, for the sake of good luck right <laughs> well, we <laughs> keep so, winning so suddenly they're not COVID safe they're like damn the 101 year old got, got COVID and now we've got to shut everything down it's fine I have a pair of sunglasses no one will know <laughs> Well, good on your sister, Jean. Or maybe she's had enough, because that's the other thing, right? I don't know. Um, when you get to being that old, I often think, like, if I got to 70 and I was still in good health, I'd probably want to live a bit longer. But I'd like to check in at 70 to see what kind of state I'm in, because that 70 to 80, if you live that long, that's a very testing time where some people are great and you would see them at 80 and never believe they're that old. Other people have got health issues and you see them 80 and think, fuck me, they look like they're more like 180, (laughs) Right. right? And, you know, you might get to the point of being old, but actually living becomes very, very uncomfortable. And do you want to live that long, you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, most people have fear of missing out, you know, some FOMO. Imagine her life. She's spent 101 years just being a basketball fan and a basketball fan of a school that's not very good at basketball other than like two tournament years where they were Cinderella's. Imagine if she was like a fan of Kentucky or Arizona or Duke. Her life would have been so much better. Yeah, maybe it's her daily uh, prayer where she gets up in the morning and goes, dear Lord, Please take me today at the basketball game. I can't take this any longer. Uh, dear Lord, dear that's Lord. That's why she actually... Right, that's why she keeps going, because she thinks it will be the ultimate way to go. Dear Lord, are you familiar with the British comedian Tommy Cooper? He used to do magic badly, but actually he was very good at it and died on stage. She's just hoping for one day a ball to come flying towards her and really take her out. That's the way to go. Uh, let's do an update on um, NFTs. Uh, we spoke about them on the previous episode of the show. 
Still not really sure what an NFT is. I tried researching it this weekend. I have less idea of what an NFT is now. I think my concept that it's kind of the modern day digital version of owning art, as in if you go buy a piece of art, a lot of people purchase art because they think that owning it as an original and keeping it means that it gains value. This is the idea of owning an original viral video. Hence the fact the guy who was skateboarding to dreams by Fleetwood Mac is trying to sell his NFT. So you own the original version of him skateboarding. So this is this is my main question with these NFTs. Okay, so let's take the, the dream skateboarding guy. So he's selling the video. That video sells for, let's say, 500,000 NFT or whatever. That was the starting bid, I believe. Is he... Is he getting like 500,000 Bitcoin? Like, is he getting that value in Bitcoin? Or does that person now own something that is its own coin? That's what I'm confused about. Like, I don't know if he's just... Okay, so there was a, a rapper, hip-hop artist, Azalea Banks. She made a sex tape with her soon-to-be husband and sold that as an NFT. Right. That was like the first story I saw of all of these. So... I wasn't sure if that meant... because you were you were searching NFT on Pornhub. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, like, I'd love to see J that. Jeremy doesn't go to Google to search for things. He just goes straight to Pornhub and then in the Pornhub search puts in NFT and sees what comes up. What's Google? <laughs> yeah, everything has to go through a porn filter. Yeah. Right? Well, so I wasn't sure though. And it said the next day it was like, oh, it sold for two hundred and seventy-five thousand NFT. But like, what does that mean? You, I'm sure you saw the story that someone sold a fart as an NFT. Do you own the fart? I Usually, when I let out a fart, it goes off to the world and I don't have it anymore. <laughs> Is it just the audio clip of the, of the fart? Is it the smell of the fart? I guess he was filming himself farting and wanted $200 for that. You can get $200 for farting. Consider me Bill Gates. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. Well, the farting obviously is immediately taking it to a ridiculous degree. So yeah, he's basically selling a recording of his flatulence and saying you can have the original for two hundred dollars. Is, 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 is the starting bid? Um, Has anyone bought me as an NFT yet? I put the bid at two million last episode. I would really like two million of anything. I'm wondering if we can do an NFT of. Uh, I read when I was getting ready for this podcast. Did you see that um, Britney Spears' mum was dancing to a Britney Spears song in one of the gay bars in DFW? Yes. Right. Shouldn't someone have filmed that and then tried to sell that as an NFT? Oh, by the way, is it okay to like Britney Spears' mom? It's her dad we don't like, right? I'm not sure. The mom kind of seemed like she was a bit of a mess too. But... Oh, I don't <laughs> yeah. remember from the documentary. I thought it was all about the dad. I'm not sure. I actually didn't even see the documentary. But you make a good point. Why would someone post that video if you could sell it as an NFT? I'm sure you can get more money or value out of it if no one has seen the video first. Right, right, right. But you would think like Britney Spears' mom in a gay bar, dancing to her kid's song, Toxic, that would be a more valuable NFT than someone farting. I just love that, like, her mom still, after all these years, like, I'm so proud of my daughter's song, Getty. You know, she's doing the classic mom embarrassing move. <laughs> and by the way, the other update on the NFT is that, um, so the skateboarder who's trying to get uh, half a million for him um, 
for that NFT, for the, the video uh, where he was uh, skateboarding to Fleetwood Mac's Dreams. It turns out, according to uh, TMZ, that it was Stevie Nicks who blocked him from using Dreams. This is how ridiculous NFTs have got. So if you'd spend half a million on the skateboarder, you don't get the Fleetwood Mac soundtrack because Stevie Nicks said, back the fuck up. I had to employ a man in the 1970s to blow cocaine up my backside because I'd screwed my nostrils. I, I joined a band with Lindsey Buckingham, the love of my life, and then he wrote a song called Go Your Own Way that said shacking up is all I want to do and then split up with me and I had to stay in a band with him which was so stressful, I ended up fucking the really ugly drummer. <laughs> you, and you think, you think you can just skateboard to my song and then sell it for half a million? You don't know what it's like to so, be me. So is she, is she... By the way, I made up every part of that statement. I've no idea if she thinks those things. She certainly hasn't said those things out loud, but she has apparently because it's her song, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, is written by Stevie Nicks. She's the one that said to the skateboarder, no, 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 no. It all sounded true to me. I just think maybe this is her place. She's like, I'm trying to get in on this NFT money. Who wants dreams, you know? I ain't going on tour anymore. Might as well try to make a buck. Well, I, I do have a, a, an element of uh, sympathy with Stevie Nicks because she, she was... you've a, had cocaine blown up your butt? Well, absolutely. And it costs a fortune to employ someone <laughs> to do that, especially with the regularity that she would have needed it in the 1970s. <laughs> but she's... A, you know, Stevie Nicks is an older lady now who still looks really, really good. And and, and, and it, mu it must take so much effort to be Stevie Nicks when I think she's about... 70 or, or she's in her 70s because i've always thought that when famous men get older and this is very much a sexist thing they have a much easier time of growing older because basically if you're famous and you were considered a good looking guy when you were younger as long as you don't get fat when you're old right. you're all right right you can look kind of a bit grizzled and war-torn and whatever else, and it's fine. But when you're female and you get older, like the, the, the pressure to retain those good looks is 10 times harder. And I know uh, a friend of mine worked with Stevie Nicks. This is probably a good 10 years ago now. It takes her three hours to get ready in the morning, right? Yeah, that seems right. Because it takes that much effort to be Stevie Nicks when you get older. And I think, you know, and she's, and again, Lindsey Buckingham, good looking man still, but hasn't retired. Like he's, it's been a lot easier for him to grow old and still be good looking than it has to be Stevie Nicks. So I think given all of her history, Stevie Nicks has got every right to be a little bit bitter about people that think they can just come along and appropriate her song because they don't know what she's been through. Yeah, the hardest part about being Stevie Nicks in 2021 is that she always has that pretty girl Harry Styles hanging around her and that's hard to compete with. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is very, very true. I don't true. know who that girl is, but she is beautiful. <laughs> Do you think Harry Styles is the 2021 Coke blower? Yeah. <laughs> it's it, like, it, hey, it worked out for him. He got a record deal. She's got <laughs> Stevie Nicks. <laughs> 
because I know they uh, they hang out. I've read uh, interviews with uh, Harry Styles talking about how uh, Stevie Nicks still like to live still likes to live nocturnal because you know she's a bit witchy and you know all of that right. all that kind of like superstition bits and pieces. Um, but um, you imagine Stevie Nicks being an older lady, even though she looks great and she's as I said, she puts a lot of time and effort into maintaining being Stevie Nicks, which I think is probably very hard when you get to that age. So he's like you know young British chap who's very polite and everything. It would be like him going round to see his gran. Can you imagine that? Uh, so she calls up and she's like, hey, it's Stevie. Do you want to come around and write some songs? I'll be up around 2 a.m. And then Harry Styles goes, oh, okay, fine. Do you need me to bring anything? Oh, yeah, could you get me like a loaf of bread and some milk and like all these things that like, like, are like old lady things that like if, right. if he was going to go visit his nan, so he goes, gets, gets some shopping, like takes some stuff around and he's like, okay, there's your bread. There's your milk. I'll make you a cup of tea and everything else. And then they like write some songs and they have a good time. And he goes, okay, well, it's been uh, great seeing you, Stevie. Anything else? And she goes, could you take this straw <laughs> and just... I get it, man. My grandma asked me the same thing all the time. <laughs> Yet I didn't write a song called Watermelon Sugar about it. <laughs> Is that what that's about? That's definitely what it's about. <laughs> it was Booger Sugar, but you know, the other... The record label was like, that's not going to work. Call it watermelon. <laughs> um, let's just do a little bit of uh, showbiz news before we get to uh, song of the week uh, this week. Lizzo has a full-figured model and dancer reality show coming to Amazon. And I first read this and thought, Jeremy, it's your new gig. Oh my God! Finally, this is where I'm gonna break fame. Well, I can dance. You, well, uh, I don't need to dance though because I make money moves. Apart from the fact that um, when I read more about this, I think she might only be after women. Sexist. Oh, that's terrible. You want to be all woke? I'm full figured and beautiful. Right, exactly. Shouldn't we just be celebrating everyone that's full figured and beautiful? Because that's the whole thing, right? It's the new woke show from Amazon where they're basically saying that you don't have to be stick thin or have this chiseled, worked out body. You can be a larger person, apparently in this case, specifically a larger lady, and large can be beautiful. And you, the, the idea is that you're auditioning to be a dancer for Lizzo stage show. That's the reality aspect of it. See, I'm not really full figured. I'm more like lumpy, like mashed potatoes. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they might like your lumps. I mean, what you the thing is is <laughs> my if, lovely lady lumps. Yeah, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna, be, if you're gonna be like one of the dancers and in showbiz, they've just got to get your best angle, which in your case will be your best lumps. Yeah, left side or right side. Here's the thing: everyone loves the lumps. You can have a keg. Excuse me, I messed that up already. You can have a six pack. It might last you, a buddy, an hour or two. You get the keg out. The keg lasts the whole party all night, baby. <laughs> That's a go-to fat man line. I, um... Brace yourself, I might be about to say something controversial oh, on this no. subject. For people that are larger and... Watch en yourself. Enjoy that. Absolutely fine. And obviously, it's completely wrong if people are of a larger size and they're bullied or discriminated against for that. But this idea that we must accept larger people because they're beautiful too, which I guess is what this Amazon show is, uh, that's the, 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 the kind of thinking. I don't think even the most woke of woke people will ever get away from the fact that 
fit is more attractive, which is why if you pick up any kind of catalog or go to any kind of website where there are models modeling stuff, generally the fitter people are there modeling stuff because they look better, therefore people want to buy those products. You don't see fat people modeling underwear is my point. Oh, I mean, as great as I look in underwear, no one's buying that product when I wear it. And when you, like, what's that store where they stick a half-naked bloke out the front, the clothing store? Like, like Abercrombie that, and Fitch? I think yeah, one of the, yeah. yeah, one of those. One or, of those. Or, yeah, yeah, but, the, but you go to the mall and you've got the high-end shopping stores there, right? And, the, and quite often they'll have a bloke out the front with his shirt off, right, trying to get people to come in, right? Yeah. Are you going to tell me that Abercrombie and Fitch are discriminated against fat people because they never stick a fat person out the front showing off their lumps, as you phrased it, to oh, try and look, get people in? I know from experience, people of my size are not considered attractive. You know what I mean? Like, I, I said it last week on this podcast. I have been called multiple times unfuckable. That's not because <laughs> of my face. And when you beautiful get, face. When you get, like, um, and you think about people in, um, you know, in show business because there's this, like, oh, we must embrace... People being larger. Okay, fine. So someone like, I, I thought of two examples of this, right? Adele was a larger lady, right? right? And, and people went, oh, it's great. She's, she's, she's been accepted and she's a larger lady and doesn't she sound great? I've always thought it's quite funny with Adele. She sings like an angel. But then if you listen to her speech, she's like, fuck! Jesus fucking Christ, all right. Like, you'd never fucking think that that beautiful singing voice talks like this. Fucking hell, right? She, that's, that's, that's how she, how she speaks. That's right? spot on. But then she loses all this weight, and then all of the attention is like, oh, Adele's amazing weight loss. But okay, so again, this is my controversial thinking. Isn't that basically saying, well, she actually wasn't that beautiful when she was bigger because you prefer her smaller that right. doesn't, doesn't the press report say and sam smith right never particularly large but was larger and then lost a ton of weight and the same thing with sam smith <gasps> look at sam smith's amazing weight loss i believe we have to call sam smith they now he's gender neutral right don't they look fabulous and I, again, I might, I, I, I might be being controversial, but I think I'm just pointing out the double standards here because on one hand, everyone who's super woke is going to be going, Lizzo, yeah, larger ladies auditioning to be part of her stage show. Larger people can be part of this as well. But then as soon as Sam Smith drops 100 pounds or whatever it is, suddenly they are all <gasps> amazing weight loss. And Adele, I mean, Adele, until she opened her mouth and started saying fucking fuck, 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 you wouldn't have even thought it was the same person no i there's only one area where it's okay to be fat and losing weight is frowned upon and that's comedy the moment a good comedian that's fat loses weight they lose all their fun is that is that true that is the yeah, there i really mean I, I mean he's not necessarily a comedian a comedian actor but jonah hill was wonderful and then he got skinny and got all pretentious about it yeah i miss like fat 40-year-old virgin Jonah Hill, you know, not this moneyball Jonah Hill. And that's why for you people, I'll never lose weight. Fat 40-year-old virgin Jonah Hill gave you hope, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's me. <laughs> 
All right, we'll be back with some Song of the Week updates. Uh, I was going to say more showbiz on Rick Moranis. Is Rick Moranis even part of showbiz anymore? I don't know. I have a good story about Rick Moranis, though. And uh, also uh, today, today on the day that we are recording this podcast, William Shatner, everybody, is 90 years old. That is definitely a a birthday worth celebrating. Uh, We'll get to that stuff next. Okay, let's do uh, part two of Did You America? Season two, episode... Infinity. Hey, uh, there's some uh, good news for you on Song of the Week, Jeremy. No way. Yeah, for everything that you may be losing in March Madness, you are winning in Song of the Week. This is the happiest I've ever seen you. Please tell me I won. (laughs) Uh, Last week... I chose Long Live Rock by Hailstorm that got uh, 25% of the vote. Okay. New York producer went with Deadline by Group Love that got 31% of the vote. Jeremy went with Vaporwaves by Ace Hashimoto and Thundercat, 44%. Ooh, I love that taste of sweet, sweet victory. I would just like to thank (laughs) all that helped me to get to this moment. Thundercat, Ace Hashimoto. Yeah, well done. I love it. You've never won before. We're going to have a repeat this week. I feel it. All right. We'll see. Uh, If you want to vote for Song of the Week, didyouamerica.com slash song, or we will have a poll on my Twitter. I am at Ian Canfield on Twitter. Here are your three new choices, and you can vote over the next week if you're listening to this uh, podcast in anything approaching real time. My choice is the new one by Joywave, which is called After Coffee. My choice is the new Snoop Dogg song CEO, mainly in hopes that he sees this, hears this, and we become best friends. And uh, New York producer going for Cherry in Tacoma by Benjamin Francis Leftwich. So vote at didyouamerica.com slash song, or you can go to the poll on my Twitter. I'm at Ian Canfield there. After Coffee by Joywave, CEO by Snoop Dogg, or Cherry in Tacoma by Benjamin Francis Leftwich. They are your song of the week choices for this next week. So um, finally, someone is taking the attention away from the guitarist of Iced Earth for the January 6th insurrection. Because I don't know... um, I don't know whether uh, that phrase, there's no such thing as bad publicity, extends to insurrection. Because I will <laughs> like say, the one area. I, I will say this. Um, you know, I'm a metal fan, and I am familiar with the band Ice, Iced Earth. I probably played them when I used to have a metal show on the radio back in the UK. I'm not familiar or a fan of them to the extent that I could name you any of their songs, but I know they've been around for a while. But I will say that Iced Earth never, ever, 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 ever got as much publicity as they did as to when their guitarist was part of January 6th at the Capitol and uh, got apprehended, or I think he gave himself in, not that it matters, but has certainly been in jail since the middle of January where he's still in jail now right. and, 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 and awaiting trial. I, 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 don't, I think the rest of the band have gone holy shit and have now all issued statements going um we're not part of iced earth anymore and we don't we don't support what he did right they said the melt the earth has been melted (laughs) right yeah pretty much but again i mean you know the iced earth were never on cnn.com until (laughs) until until he was at the capitol with his 
pepper spray or whatever it was. That, I downloaded at least six songs after that. <laughs> that he was there with. So anyway, um, John Schaefer, I believe, is, is his name again. I couldn't have told you what his name was until he went to the Capitol on January 6th. But John Schaefer, your time in the spotlight may be over because uh, the uh, FBI are now on the search for someone who looks like Rick Moranis. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I thought we'd seen all of the videos and uh, still shots of people that were part of the insurrection that the FBI were after, but apparently not. Um, and so the latest photo that's been released um, is a guy who does look like Rick Moranis. I think it's fairly safe to suggest that it's not Rick Moranis, although Jeremy made the point, well, what's he been doing? No, right. one, re no one really knows. We haven't heard from Rick Mor Moranis for years. Maybe he was just filming Honey, I Shrunk the Capitol. <laughs> the uh, the funny thing is that uh, TMZ uh, uh, pointed uh, towards is that whoever the Rick Moranis lookalike is is uh, he's wearing a helmet because you know the people they 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 liked some costume. I mean, it kind of looked half scary insur insurrectionist crazy people and half Renaissance fair, didn't it? <laughs> on January sixth, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of people that. You kind of thought, you know, whatever led them to believe that going to the Capitol on January 6th was it was a good idea. I did think there was a train of thought from some of those people who thought, well, we didn't get to go to the Renaissance Fair in 2020 because it was cancelled due to COVID. So at least we can wear our outfits on January 6th. Yay. Right. Like, let me just go ahead and get my bullhorn paint my face. Paint my face and let's get it. But he, um, this guy who looks like Rick Moranis is, is you know, gone wearing a helmet. But as TMZ pointed out, he's quite famous in his heyday in the 80s and the 90s um, for wearing helmets. They gave us a list because they're good like that, uh, TMZ. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes. Uh, Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. Yes. Uh, Ghostbusters. Of course. Strange Brew 1 and 2. I don't remember that. I don't know. But that. apparently he was wearing some headwear uh, uh, during that. I mean, you're missing the most iconic headwear in his career Spaceballs. yes that's on the list and the flintstones oh i don't remember the headgear in that but the headgear in Spaceballs, as you know the fake darth vader giant helmet that's peak Miranda. right so what they're saying is is it's quite strange because clearly this guy at the capitol isn't rick moranis but do we not... know that for a fact though? well okay so i've got a bit of inside track on rick moranis and also something that i'd like to raise about rick moranis it, the fact that we are unsure, although I'm about to, I'm about to give. I know what Rick Moranis is, is doing. We'll get to that in, in a second. Breaking news. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, okay. Rick Moranis has been a landlord for one of my friends. What? Yeah. But before we get to that, it it, it did occur to me. Was I mean, 80s and I guess early 90s was the time when he was prevalent, and then he sort of disappeared. Was, right. was that peak time to be in movies because then you could make a few and have a few hits? And then basically disappear because you made so much money. Because I'm thinking Rick Moranis was in movies during that same period that Macaulay Culkin was making Home Alone and a bunch of different things, right? Right, right. What does Macaulay Culkin do now? Occasionally he leaves a basement of what I'm sure is a very large house and does gigs in toilet venues playing Velvet Underground songs, changing the lyrics to be about pizza. Have you seen that? The, <laughs> the pizza underground? I was going to say, that honestly sounds like a better role than... Uh, what was the movie? Home Alone. Home Alone. I just said the... that. Try and keep up. I forgot. Um, 
Yeah, and there's a thing. Is there a thing about people that were stars in late '80s, early '90s sitcoms, whereby they made so much money at that point that they decided, actually, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to. I don't want to do anything anymore. I can sort of like just disappear off the face of the earth. Maybe I'll show up to occasional insurrections. Right. <laughs> well, I feel like with Rick Moranis, like I remember a few months ago. I think now he's trying to make a comeback. Maybe they're making a new. Honey, I whatever the whatever's right, but, movie, but 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 no, because they feel they think they can't make it without some involvement from him. But because he said no to so much stuff, he's basically going out. Ah, I don't know. If, I I don't know if he'll bo- I'll bother. And you know the reason why he's probably not bothering because he's fixing my friend's toilet. <laughs> this is true. Rick Moranis took some of that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids money and invested it in real estate about the New York area. And I'm not talking big, you know, Upper East Side house purchases for himself to live in. He owns a bunch of apartments, 700 square feet apartments. I'm, I'm trying to think. In fact, I think actually the the place that my friend lives in Manhattan is, is, a, is a studio apartment. But anyway, she didn't realize this until she'd been there a while. But... Um, she signed up online, rented this place, uh, you know, made a deposit payment. And um, I forget how she figured it out, but she'd been living there a few months. And I, I guess something went wrong. And so she had to report it. And this is true. Her landlord is Rick Moranis. Wow. And when I say he's the landlord, I don't mean that he owns the places and then has other people look after them. It, for example, if she blocked her toilet... She phones a number and she speaks to Rick Moranis. And this is a this is a crazy thing about showbiz. Consider this. My friend in New York in a probably, you know, 600 square foot studio apartment in Manhattan gets Rick Moranis on the phone more easily when her toilet is blocked than the producers of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids 3, <laughs> who are desperate to get him to star in a new big-budget movie. I was going to say, I'm out here trying to get that Moranis money, but that just sounds like a lot of work. I mean, the Hollywood lifestyle is, should be enough. Now he's trying to be a landlord on top of that? Well, I don't know if he... Because um, she, she definitely told me that on occasion she's phoned a number and she speaks to Rick Moranis to, to report the problems. Now, I don't know if, say... The sink is blocked if Rick Moranis then turns up on her doorstep with a plunger right because <laughs> she hasn't reported that but maybe I'm th- I mean he might look everyone talks about the the really rich people are the ones that are the penny pinches they never want to spend any money Rick Moranis might fall into that category you might think I earned x amount of money from making these blockbuster movies but I don't want to be a movie star anymore I've invested that money into real estate and I probably could afford to have a maintenance team look after the apartments I own in Manhattan, but I'm not going to do that because I'm a penny pincher and I'm going to do it myself. The only reason why I think he doesn't do the maintenance is because she hasn't said that he's shown up, but maybe he thinks to keep it covert because he doesn't want a TMZ story on himself. He goes, look, when I turn up to unblock your toilet, I show up in disguise. When I go to the Capitol for the insurrection, I dress as myself. So you're saying he turned his back on Hollywood, he went all in on the blue-collar work, and we're not 100% sure that he was at the Capitol? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, there aren't that many people that look like Rick Moranis out there. When you put it out there that, genuinely, my friend in Manhattan 
calls Rick Moranis if her toilet is blocked. I say, which is the most believable story? That or he went to the insurrection dressed as himself in a helmet from Spaceballs? I mean, what's, <laughs> what's the most likely? I, you think, know? I think the insurrection. Call me crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what Rick Moranis is up to. Wow, you just blew the minds of so many people who for the last 15, 20 years have been wondering, where the hell is Rick Moranis? At your buddy's apartment, unclogging toilets. Yeah, he's got his head stuck in the basin going, oh, I think you've been talking to this toilet can't take that much toilet paper. Have you considered thinner toilet paper is what he's saying. Ma'am, you poop a lot. (laughs) I think maybe there is a common thing, though, that there because I had a boss, bizarrely, in New York um, who looked like Rick Moranis. I don't know if they're... You know, if you live on Manhattan, it's that kind of like work hard, play hard nature where everything's high octane, you know, whether you're the doorman of a building or you work in a really high end position in a bank, everything on the island of Manhattan, if you live and work there is literally survival of the fittest. And I think mentally that might get to you. And, you know, like people are influenced by their surroundings. Is there something about the the pressure of surviving that if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, New York lifestyle, that's basically raising generations of people who look like Rick Moranis. Like they're, they're a bit... Like, they're a bit the New York yeah, look. It's either that or Woody Allen, and right. that got cancelled. <laughs> well, I mean, Woody Allen and Rick Moranis, not a million yeah, miles apart. Right, right? very similar to Li- right, They're very little, they're stunted, they're bigger, they're smaller than they should be, their eyesight's not up to scratch, right? They get, and, and, it, and it's all to do with the mental pressure of being in New York. The guy that, that ran my radio station for a while, I will say, not great at his job. When he first showed up and uh and he looked like rick moranis i remember sitting in a meeting with the other presenters and i like whispered in my buddy's ear next to me because my buddy goes fucking looks like rick moranis and i go yeah that's gonna be like honey i shrunk the radio station let's go right (laughs) so i don't know like there could be a bit is rick rick moranis could be the result of living in that high-pressure, non-stop-pressured Manhattan environment. Do you remember a few months ago there was that video of someone just, like, randomly punching Rick Moranis on the street outside of a New York apartment? I think we figured out the reasoning for that punch. I mean, I've wanted to punch my landlord in the face numerous times. The guy's got... My landlord's my mother. I can't shit in my... (laughs) Oh, my God. That's right. I just admitted to want to punch my mom in the face. No big deal. You went right past it. <laughs> yeah, that probably was it. The guy's like, do you know how many times I've taken a dump in my bathroom and it won't flush properly? And you said you turn up. Rick and Ma- Rick Moranis is like, I'm trying to avoid the FBI. I was at the insurrection with my Spaceballs helmet on. It's very, very dodgy if I leave the apartment. I'm trying. Apparently, there was a guy that used to run K Rock that looked a bit like me. I'm trying to make people believe that it was him. No wonder. Get Woody Allen instead. <laughs> no wonder. Rick oh, Moranis he's been. Woody, Woody Allen's being arrested for something else. Damn. Perfect. <laughs> Um, before we're done with today's episode, uh, we do have to um, pay tribute, and not in a way that he's dead, although I'm kind of nervous now I've said that, um, to one of my favorite Hollywood people. Uh, we're recording this show on uh, March 22nd, 2021. Today, boys and girls, William Shatner 
is 90 years of age. So you gave the date because now that you've brought it up on this podcast, it's a guarantee he's going to die in a week, right? Do you have an unfortunate track record of... Uh, Killing people? Well, it's a slight exaggeration. I'll just go through the list again. I've made a big effort to go see Steely Dan when they were doing a Vegas residency. Turned out to be the penultimate show that Walter Becker played with them before he died. You killed my father. I had that. Well, yeah, um, I had that uh, option of going to see Neil Diamond and Metallica both playing where I used to live in Phoenix on the same night. I decided I'd go see Neil Diamond because there probably weren't going to be that many more Neil Diamond shows in my future. But I did think there would be quite a few more. But then shortly after that, he said, "I've got MS. I can't tour anymore." Who's the other one that I... Oh, there's so many. I mean, just a few weeks ago, you killed Tony Hendra, the uh, oh. the writer. <laughs> yeah, the guy who played Ian in Spinal Tap. There it is. Yeah. There's countless others. I have go through the list and bring up more deaths. I haven't told you the story of... This isn't a famous person, but this happened here in, in DFW. Um, I had some friends come to visit from California, and they were staying with friends of theirs who I didn't know. And um, we all got together in a bar. This is, you know, about a year ago now. And um, so I met, you know, the friends of friends and it was fun the afternoon, like had a good time. And um, there was uh, one guy specifically whose house they were, uh, they were staying in, my friends from California. And uh, this was a Saturday. Uh, my buddy from California calls me on the Sunday and I think he's going to call me about where we're going to go to brunch. And this, this is true. This happened. And he sounds, I think he's just really hung over because now I quit drinking. I let, let them to go out, go out and drink more that evening. Calls me up the next day and I'm like, yeah, what's, 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 what's happening? And he goes, uh, I'm not going to name the person just in case they're listening. So-and-so died last night. Oh, no. And I went, what? And he goes, yeah. I said, what did you, what happened? He goes, oh, we went out, had a few drinks, whatever. So he just uh, died in his sleep, didn't wake up this morning. And I was like, I only met him for two hours and I water beckoned him. It's crazy that I'm alive at this point. <laughs> I know, it's, it's like, like I, I'm not I'm not exactly the picture of good health, but I feel like spending time with you is a lot worse than like the McDonald's I steady eat. Yeah. Well anyway, William Shatner, 90 today. Let's hope he's got a little bit more time in him. He is one of my favorite people. He's gonna spend his 90th birthday hosting a uh, Star Trek watch party um, where uh, he goes to some event and they show one of his classic Star Trek movies and then afterwards he does a, a Q&A with uh, someone. I actually went to one of these um, a few years ago. I didn't bother going for the screening of the Star Trek movie because I've never been a fan of, of Star Trek, but it's that one where he goes, Con! Con! <laughs> right. Um but I went for the Q&A afterwards, and this was uh, like three years ago. So William Shatner's like 86, 87, which is still very, very old right. at the, the, time that I'm, uh, the time that I'm watching him. And if there's any kind of uh, theory that you get to an old age and you're still here because you want to be here, William Shatner is a perfect example of having that zest for life. You would never think that he's as old as he is just in the way that he moves. And on stage... He was so on it, like probably a good hour, maybe even more than that of this Q&A. And he was doing it with uh, a radio presenter who I used to work with. And um, 
I said to the radio presenter a few days later, like, what was the setup? Because even if you were given a full script and William Shatner just puts on the same Shatner show, the fact that he could remember it, even if it was the same night after night when he's nearly 90, I thought was still impressive. And my buddy who was hosting it goes, no. He goes, I was allowed to ask literally anything I wanted. And all they said was, it has to finish at a certain time. And 10 minutes before the allotted finish time, there's one question that you have to ask because Shatner's got this kind of planned end for right. how it concludes. But up until that point, he's just freewheeling, basically doing a William Shatner stand-up show. He was sitting down because he's nearly fucking 90, but it was <laughs> like, a, and, and I just, and you know, one of the things he said, they, they sort of start off, but he makes a joke about how old he is, you know, and, right. and, and they sort of say, you know, don't want to talk about this all night, but it, it must feel like, you know, at this point, every day's a gift. And William Shatner, this is the start of his sort of stand-up routine, goes, a gift? No, 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 no. Every morning I wake up, my first thought is, is this death? Have I gone? <laughs> <laughs> what a way to wake up. <laughs> you know, and um, just... Um, just phenomenal. Nearly 90 and still that sharp. And still doing like ads. I mean, if you were 90, apart from if you're the 101-year-old woman at the Chicago uh, basketball games, uh, could you be bothered to travel around America doing an hour on the Star Trek movie that you made 40 years ago where mostly all anyone in that audience wants you to do is go, con, con. I think I just figured out during uh that little soliloquy there why you love william shatner so much and it has nothing to do with star trek as you mentioned it has nothing to do with uh any of his other shows his columbo appearances as you've talked about in the past it's his dedication to the business that is william shatner i mean he has talked about how much he hates star trek on multiple occasions, how much he hates going to those conventions, but he keeps doing it to churn out that money. What is he doing on his 91st birthday? A Star Trek event? Literally. That's craziness. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and you say you can't need the money, but I do, I, there are about six ex-wives, yeah. so maybe he does. There's this, uh, I, there's a famous story about Shatner, uh, which you, we kind of forget this part of his history because it's so, Star Trek originally was a TV show, right, in yeah. the 60s. And then in the 80s, it became those big budget movies right. like we, we were discussing. What a lot of people don't know about Shatner is that during the time in between, he was an actor who struggled to get work because that original Star Trek TV show actually got cancelled, right? Right, was so, it only like two seasons? I think it was more than that, but it's looked on with more reverence now than what it, what, what right, it had then. Right. So if you think at the end of the 60s, he was a lead role in a TV show that got cancelled, typecast as that character playing Captain Kirk. Yeah. And then for years, couldn't get any real work. He didn't become a proper A-list celebrity until he was recast as Kirk, which was, which was in the 80s. So in the 70s, there was a period of time when he was A, struggling for work, B, had to give a load of money to wife number three, and C, as a result of this, was literally living in a movie trailer because he would drive from movie lot to movie lot for what any whatever crap, crappy role he had. And he was living in this trailer and would just show up on the set to go like, okay, give me my scripts. I'm going to do this. I'll be William Shatner and turn up and like, you know, overact like Shatner does. So there are a bunch of, a lot of like 1970s Shatner movies that are 
absolutely terrible because he was just taking any any work that he could get and living out this trailer. And so I wonder if, because he had that for a period of time, he's never really forgotten that. So now, even though he's 90, because he's now an A-list star and has still got work coming in, he actually can't stop. That might be, I mean, that's something to be said for his work ethic. It's he actually doesn't even live in a mansion in his current life. He's just like a giant trailer. He hasn't given up on that yet. Also, best part about that, like you said, like a lot of those roles were probably not giant big roles like Captain Kirk. So now he's the only extra on set with a trailer. Genius move. <laughs> yeah, there is something to be said for that. But I still say, I've got this buddy who... um we always argue about the Rolling Stones. He doesn't like the Rolling Stones, and he's got this ridiculous idea that they peaked in 1965, which, to put that into context, says that Let It Bleed, Exile on Main Street, Sticky Fingers, Beggar's Banquet, a run of four albums that most sane people would tell you are not only the greatest Rolling Stones albums, but some of the greatest albums in the history of all music, right? If you claim that they peaked in 1965, you're basically saying that all of those albums I just mentioned are absolute crap, right? Not, not liking the Rolling Stones, like even a little bit, like understanding like the history of music, and, like their meaning in the place of like rock and roll is basically the same as saying breathing is overrated. Right. Right, but he's got this thing that they peaked in 1965. Well, after they made Get Off My Cloud, it was all downhill. And I go, Get Off My Cloud is better than Sympathy for the Devil, Gimme Shelter. Is it uh, really? Oh, you can't always is, get what you want. This really? is your friend without ears. Okay, keep going, keep going. But he's adamant, and he's stuck to his guns on this theory for years and years and years. And my version of the Rolling Stones 1965 is William Shatner peaked in Colombo. <laughs> I, I don't care about Star Trek in the 60s. I certainly don't care about the big budget 1980s TV movies. I don't care about that at all. In the 1970s, William Shatner's peak, because William Shatner loves to overact, was William Shatner playing a TV detective in an episode of Columbo. And it is just the best. Look, I haven't seen that episode of Columbo. I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan. You're not going to get an argument out of me. This guy over here is Team Sulu. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just superb because William Shatner likes to overact everything. So imagine giving him a role where he's an actor on a bad TV show. And in the show, he's a TV detective because obviously Columbo is a TV detective. It's just so many worlds colliding. That's where like meta television was invented right there. And they didn't even realize it. And it also... And kids, you can look this up on YouTube if you want to be a great actor like William Shatner. The power of the pulls, because William Shatner overacts everything in that episode of Columbo. And quite often at the end of Columbo, you know, the killers are obviously visibly upset that they've been caught because they're going to spend the rest of their life in jail. Right. Or they're going to be, uh, you know, sent to the gas chamber. This is uh, not, this is William Shatner's greatest moment. This beats Khan or anything else that you want to tell me is amazing. Columbo goes through how he's caught William Shatner to basically say, you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. This is how I know you murdered so-and-so. And William Shatner listens to this, and there's a pause of a few seconds after Columbo has explained it, and William Shatner just goes, Damn! <laughs> 
That's his final. That's sp- it. That's his. That's his. Get off my cloud. You're right. That's perfect. It doesn't it's, get better it's, than that. It's the best acting ever. That's incredible. I'm going to do it again. I do love it. it so much. I'm going to do it again. So Columbo's like, so, sir, you'll see that uh, even his, his character is called Lieutenant Lusso. Okay. Right. I like that's it. What it. Even Lieutenant Lusso would have to say that if, and I can't even remember how Columbo catches him, like the, the prints are on the gun, and, uh, and this is a terrible Columbo impression. It's perfect. And, uh, and, I, and you see, sir, the one thing you forgot is da 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 da. Oh, God, he's so good. (laughs) He's probably not a perfect radio performer for television. That's beautiful. Ironic you say that because not quite as good as that and definitely not his finest moment. But in the 1980s Columbo, William Shatner came back as a killer playing a radio talk show host. Wait, so he came back to the same show? We've had had this conversation before. You have to suspend belief. There are various actors who who were killers in Columbo on multiple occasions. See... Because in the t- because in the but again playing to his strengths not quite as good as William Shatner playing a TV detective because that is genius but being a talk show radio host also lends itself to an over dramatic performance and here's the thing although I don't love that episode where he's a talk show host as much as I love the uh, the Lieutenant Lusso, um episode he does have a great radio name he is a talk show host and his name william shatner's name in the episode of columbo is fielding chase oh it's beautiful i think to myself if i'd have called myself fielding chase when i got a job in dfw my show might have lasted longer <laughs> that's why the, this camfield bullshit right if i'd have been fielding chase did they at least give him a fake mustache in the second part or is it just the exact same william shatner He's got a different wig. Okay, that works. <laughs> All right. So he's, and he's a bit, he's a bit more puffy because in yeah. in the seventies later. Well, right. yeah, because in the seventies he still looks. He's in sort of Star Trek shape, probably because he couldn't afford to eat once he put gas in that trailer <laughs> that he was right. driving from uh, film lot to film lot. Um, but it was like late eighties when he came back. You know, he was kind of like the real puff daddy by that point. I, 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 I always thought when That's he, where the nickname well, came he from. kind of got, he got a little, you know, a little, a little puffier. Um, but um, yeah, fielding chase. I love it. But anyway, that's uh, so. And I, I will say this: there are probably a lot of people today giving a nod to William Shatner and saying, my God, it's amazing that you're still so active and vibrant and funny and entertaining and you've still got this zest for life and a desire to work at the age of 90. I bet not one of those tributes has mentioned that his finest moment of his entire life was playing a TV detective on Columbo. That's a birthday shout out for you. William Shatner, you're welcome. Did we America today? We definitely did. I'm going to do it one more time for the end, right? You have to have silence. 